Why don't you break out the D20 and come in, play some D and me, oh baby. Mess around with nerds, we'll laugh until it hurts. Forget what your mama said, there's nothing wrong with play and dread. Although Pathfinder's a decent trade, we can bring the masquerade. Have it your way. Sit down and play. Pick up a dice. And ruin Finch's day. Hey! Alright, good morning, afternoon, and or evening. This is Banish DM Podcast, the uh, role-playing and gaming podcast, hosted by yours truly, Anthony Finch. Ludwig von Beethoven. Joey Saltalamashia, that is. And... Brooksy. All right. Uh, for those, why you gotta lie to people like that, Finchikus? <laughs> Not polite. For those of you who are just tuning in, we have one episode up. It's currently on iTunes. You should go listen to that. Sorry, we will post taking, links. Yeah, sorry for taking so long to get this next episode up, but logistical things and we were recording a new theme song. Yeah, er, failing to record a new theme song, I should say. Yes, we actually had an episode recorded about two weeks ago that we were going to post up. But then we didn't want to finish that until, you know, get that out there until we had the new intro. We are now recording another episode for uh, your entertainment. And it's um, going to be better than the last one, I promise. <laughs> now, it's going to be better than the last one. Now, the, uh, the, the topic for today we're going to talk about is from an article that was posted online at Look Robot. It was entitled Stanislavski versus Brecht in tabletop role playing. Is that how you uh, pronounce it? It was written by. Uh, I'm, I'm sorry, what did you say? I'm sorry, is that how you pronounce that? Yeah. That's... Uh, it was written by uh, Grant Howitt, um, freelance journalist, and he hosts a uh, tabletop role playing blog thingy on uh, Look Robot. I'll post a link to the article along with this episode, but to give a very brief lowdown on what the article was about, it was... How would you describe it, Joey? It was very... It was filled with words that said things. I would say it was kind of a breakdown of how someone role plays. Verse 1 being with script versus the other being it's completely like randomized like you're coming off of the top of your head with this. it was it was making an argument between well may, maybe not so much an argument but it was making a point about how players should at while they should follow their own characters they should metagame to an extent to try and keep up with the plot and try and keep it going to actually play the game instead of just farting around not doing much of anything. Yes. Um, one of the subtitles of the article that I feel really sums it up is play your PC like an NPC. Uh, the it, From what I got from the article, uh, and you can interpret it as you like, um, and I, again, the link will be up there, the main topic is that and the main point is that as a character in a game, you have to understand that you are playing in a game, and therefore the game takes precedence over your character's motivations and personality, and it is okay to act out of character, even if your your group is typically very method-acty, in order to further the interests of the story, the plot, and other characters and to make the game, quote, more interesting. So I guess we can dive right into it, and we're just going to have a discussion on... Oh, we skipped the, highlight. We, we skipped the highlight. Well... I actually had a highlight for this week. Oh, okay. Go ahead. You see, uh, about two, maybe two and a half weeks ago, a game was made available on Steam called Dungeons & Dragons Chronicles of Mystara. I've it heard is... of that. It is a combination of the two old Capcom classic arcade games, uh, Dungeons & Dragons Tower of Doom and Dungeons & Dragons Shadow Over Mystara. Both together in one game, it costs $15, which, honestly, considering how much money I pumped into these games when I was a kid, I should be getting it for free. But they are really good games. 
they're ridiculously well, not, I don't want to say complex, but they're very in-depth considering it's just a put-your-coin-in-receive game, arcade game. You get to pick a character, you get to name the character, you can find items, you can find spells, you can customize your character. You, your character can level up throughout the experience. It's, it's a good game. Um, I just wanted to make it aware, make everyone aware of the fact that it is available on Steam. Both of them are available on Steam, and it has up to four-player co-op. So... Barring wow. monetary issues, that might be something that we that you'll see from us later on. Capcom finally did something right. Okay, let's continue. Okay, so the article <laughs> that we're going to be talking about that I have already pointed to, too. Once again, the main the, the the core idea of the article is that metagaming is okay if it furthers the interests of the plot and if it makes the the game more interesting. And there are two central examples that I think that we can talk about, and then we can get into the more general discussion. But I think that getting the examples under our belt will, uh, you know, prepare us for it and give you an idea. So the first example that is available is an example of a cleric and a thief. Oh God! There we go. Okay. We don't need to use their example. We have our own. <laughs> well. <laughs> uh, anyway, the thief needs to collect something vital for your Save the World plots from the House of a Wealthy Collector. He could do it fine by himself, but he notices that, that the cleric's player hasn't been up to much this game and is sitting quietly with the other while the other players plan. Um, so your character, a construct that doesn't exist, that you made up, that doesn't have feelings, sure as shit wouldn't want the cleric to come along. She's noisy, she frowns on theft, she gets on your character's nerves. Then it goes on to ask what's the what's makes for a better story... Uh, the the oddball team getting together and having a wonderful time looting some wealthy dude's house, or you going alone getting it done in five minutes, and not having the complications of having a noisy cleric along to fuck everything up. I will hold on my opinion. Let's hear from uh, the two of you. Rob, go ahead. Well, I would say it all depends on the character that has been created for the situation. You're saying a very what's the term? Good and uh, lawful cleric? A lawful good cleric. So in that situation if they were to go along it would be very hindering but it can still work out. Okay, I think the, the question here is we are accepting that the cleric will make the, the thief's life harder. That is why the thief does not want to bring the cleric along. The idea is, out is will it make the game more fun if the thief just says, hey, want to come along, despite the fact that it is out of character to do so, and the entire point of it is explicitly to metagame to make the game, quote, better. It's Does asking it... if you should step outside of the bounds of your character to try and make things a little more interesting. Well, in that sense, I mean, sure. Sure what? I would say... Definitely. If you're just literally only doing whatever it is to have more fun game-wise, I don't see any problem with it. It's not the end of the world to do so. Okay. Joey, what's your opinion? If I was in the shoes of the rogue, the cleric would have had would have been pickpocket hamstrung and have their testicles removed about 20 minutes ago. So I don't think okay. they want to come along. Okay. Well, I will give um, my opinion, and my mine involves a bit more in-depth um, analysis. My first response is, what has the DM set up for the cleric to do? And a lot of people are going, a lot of DMs are probably going to shake their heads at this, but I stand firmly as a DM and a player by the fact that the DM is responsible for all of this kind of metagame thinking and should have a plan for what all of the characters are going to be doing. Now, if the character falls outside of the plan or accomplishes the task early, that's something different. But Or if the character just doesn't take the hook. But is there a plan, for from the DM's perspective, for the cleric to be doing something? When I make a campaign, an adventure for a campaign, and, I, and all of these characters have been established, and I know what characters are going to be doing what, in a general sense... I plan out what each character... I make little slots for each character to fill. 
And the fact of the matter is that sometimes the spotlight moves to a certain character, and they have 20 minutes. And sure, it's 20 minutes with the spotlight on that specific character, but that's part of the game, and that's part of any good story. You know, the the spotlight it has to be on somebody at some point. And in my opinion, if this has been engineered as a quest specifically for the thief, it is well within the thief's rights to just say, you know what, I'm going to do this. This is my time to shine. Now, that doesn't mean that the cleric has to be doing nothing. The cleric's player doesn't have to metagame to still have a good time. I think that there are some other things that the cleric could be doing at this time that can help or hinder or be whatever. For example, if the, the cleric sees the thief moving away, you know, or slinking off into the distance, and that's something that the DM can say, if we have a lawful, lawful good cleric on our hands, if we have the stupid lawful good cleric who wants everything to be hunky-dory in the world and cannot stand stealing, and the cleric is aware of this save the world plot and that this item needs to be procured, the cleric can see the thief slinking away and say, uh-oh, that's a problem. I don't agree with that guy's morals. Then the cleric goes to warn the wealthy nobleman. Or the cleric goes along and tries to stop this guy. Or he goes to the nobleman and says, hey, we need your, you know, rod of sanctity or whatever to save the world. Do you feel like giving it to us? And any of those solutions is both in character and gets both players involved. And I don't think that the whole idea of you know metagaming to make it more interesting, to have this oddball couple go and steal something, makes a whole lot of sense. Because you don't need for it to happen. Now, I agree that sometimes there are, there are going to be situations where having something like that happen is going to make the game more interesting. We're agreeing to do something that's just a little bit out of character is going to help the game along. And a, a good example of this is the character that just doesn't want to have anything to do with the campaign. The character that doesn't want to have anything to do with the plot. If you as a player have not been engaged by the GM and your character has not been engaged by the GM, you as the player can just say, you know what, I'm going to go along to move the plot along. And that's a really that's a mature decision as a player to help a struggling GM. Now, I'm going to add in a caveat that the GM should have a hook for each character. And there should be an in-character justification for why a character would break that motivational line in order to go along with whatever the, the, the GM has planned. So I think that a lot of this falls on the GM. My god, you like talking. Yes, I do. What I was going to mention is it's very easy for a GM to be able to juggle two different spotlights. Like, all right, what do you do? You do this, okay. Now, what do you do? You do this, okay. And keep going back and forth between the two of them so that they both understand that they're doing things in the same time frame. You'd like to think so, wouldn't you? I mean... Yes and no, but e but even if you have them doing it at the same time chronologically, they can't be doing it at the same time literally in game because you there's only one the, the GM only has one mouth and they can only be GMing one thing at a time. Well, yes, but you mentioned 20 minutes of a spotlight whereas it could be 2 minutes to 5 minutes one spotlight, 2 minutes to 5 minutes back and forth back and yeah, forth. Yeah. That's a good point. Sometimes oddball situations do work out. It just is all dependent. Okay. Joe, you and I both know, being a that guy, we create oddball characters. Um, I don't create them, Rob. They just come to me. <laughs> They're part of who I am. Well, there you go. And it's not necessarily that you're avoiding the storyline, but you're more or less doing... Trying to completely destroy it, yes. Well, there's multiple types of that guy. <laughs> No. Even even as a that guy, I don't feel anyone who doesn't hate the GM will ever deliberately attempt to destroy a game. As a, as a player, it is always the player's prerogative and always their desire to actually play the game. Mm -hmm. Some people will play the oddball character to attempt to make things more interesting. 
I do it because I know a lot of the people that I play with are either a little shy about it or... I did it at first because a lot of the groups I was playing with were first-time players and I needed to get I knew things needed to get going. So mm-hmm. that that is actually a form of metagaming. I knew but, things But hmm? wait, that's a form of metagaming, but it's before you've created the character. Exactly. It's, meta, it's metagaming during character creation as opposed to during playing the character. It's still a form of metagaming though. So it, it qualifies. But is there is there a distinction bef- between those two or are they Absol- the same thing? Well, they're both they're both two different forms of metagaming, and you've completely made you made me completely lose my original point. Thank you very much. Sorry. The the so, point that you were making was that you you sort of metagamed in character creation in order to bring the best out of the other players. Yeah, that, that's something that I feel that a lot of players, uh, more players, should do. As we were going, uh, there are different forms of metagaming. I approve of some and disapprove of others. Okay. There, there are po- there are points in time where a character is being excluded by extenuating circumstances. Okay. Like the game that I ran between the two of you, where mm-hmm. Rob was basically off doing piss all because you systematically murdered every single NPC about five minutes before he got to them. Like that is something wait, that I could wait, not wait, control. Wait, 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 whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> I think that he killed just as many people as I did. I think yeah, but they him. were actually trying to kill him. <laughs> I angered some soldiers. They attacked me. You walked up to three or four people from the bar. Oh wait, there was the man with the box. The man with the box. Yeah, that was you being an asshole. That I would like the... it to be known the vast majority of the people he killed outside. Actually, no, the guy with the box didn't die. What do you mm. mean he didn't die? He didn't die. I smacked he him. Was... He's now a quadriplegic, but he never died. <laughs> <laughs> um, I would like well, to point out that all of all of those soldiers that Rob killed, all of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I came up with those on the spot just to give him something to do. <laughs> oh, none of that was planned. Which also means I never Which, would have won. <laughs> actually, he had to have given up at some point, but I'm doubting you would have. You would have gotten angry and started making more and more. No, 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 no. There, there, there was a planned out to that. There was actually a. Never mind. I, I had been reading Douglas Adams at the time, so it was getting a little out of hand. Beside the point, that that was actually another form of metagaming, but that is the kind that Finch believes is okay, where the <laughs> DM is in control of things and should be in control of things. So but that the, the, I don't think that it's metagaming if the DM doesn't. It's really still metagaming. Don't. It's still metagaming. Box falls. It's act, it's act, it's acting outside the parameters of the original game to make sure everyone's actually still having fun. It's still okay. metagaming. Okay. But I think that as a DM, that's your responsibility. Of course it is. Metagaming it's, is the responsibility have, of the DM. It's the but, it's the responsibility of any game maker to make a game enjoyable. Otherwise, it's not a game. The Okay. But what about players? Oh, that as I was going on before, there's there are gray areas with metagaming between players. Like, metagaming before a game. That I fully condone, if it's just to make things more interesting and to get people to start having fun with it. Okay. And, you know, maybe get the DM to laugh a couple times, too. Okay. Metagaming outside of your character, I do not condone, because as a character in a situation, you should act as that character in that situation. Um, like I could see saying, hey, what? How, my character just cut into this enemy seven times. How does he look? Really tired? What? That the DM can tell you. He smells Versus, vaguely of How much HP box. does he have? <laughs> you know, uh, I but, mean, that's, but no, no, no. no, no. That, that's a different form of metagaming. That's, that's, that's a totally different form of metagaming. That, that, is, that is rules metagaming. We're talking about character metagaming. Yes. Yeah. It's... Exp- it's Acting outside of character or expanding your reach beyond your character, which is actually another discussion I would like to branch into a little bit later. Okay. Acting outside the parameters of your character in order to try and make the game more interesting, which actually, you know what, there there are situations when this is okay. And okay. They, they right. are rare, they are rare, but sometimes it's okay for a character to do it if... As a norm, the DM seems incompetent. If the DM is not doing his job, it's not so much your responsibility, but it's... Acceptable. It's acceptable to try and make the game more interesting when the DM isn't trying to. Okay, so that 
so that once again that comes back to whether or not the DM is doing his or her job. In which case, if the DM isn't doing his job, it's it's okay for the players to take over some of those responsibilities to make the game more interesting and to help the the group as a whole. There is always a second option. What's that? Uh, casting mm-hmm. banished DM. <laughs> Name drop. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I think that the, the uh, I think that we're I think that we're kind of um, in agreement here that if you are in a game with a good DM and everything is all other things aside, all other possible problems with the DM aside, uh, the key that we're both saying is you should be acting in character unless the DM is failing. The only time it's okay to metagame is when... Sorry. As a general rule, there's always exceptions to a rule. As a general rule, it's only okay for a character, for a player to metagame okay. when the DM is not, and it's becoming boring. Like, okay. goblins. Fuck goblins, by the way. Every character I ever have from now on is going to have an irrational hatred of goblins, and I'm just going to kill everything if I ever see another goblin again. <laughs> Okay. Now, now, the other uh, example that they have is, uh, again, a thief and a cleric. Only this time, the thief wants to torture somebody for information <laughs> for the Save the World plot. And the cleric is against it for religious or moral reasons or what, what have you. Now, the, su- the suggestion that they have here is that the thief and the cleric, the players, come to an understanding that the cleric just isn't there for a period of time. The cleric is going off and doing something else that doesn't matter, and the cleric walks in on the torture. Now, is this is a totally different form of metagaming, because the two characters are still acting in character, but you're kind of bending reality a bit. Now, what? how is this metagaming different? Is it different from the other metagaming, which is acting out of character to facilitate more interesting story. And is this okay? There are times when certain characters need to go away in order to progress the plot, but this is one of the things that I always, always could not stand, and something that I saw in a couple of my other campaigns, where if a player was inconsistent and inconsistent in coming to the meetings, they would they would miss a meeting or two, and the general rule was, oh... Uh, they stayed in the boat. They got sick that day. Things well, like that. Things like that to remove certain characters from the game. And there were other situations where a certain player's belief system or a certain player's regular actions would imply that they would attempt to stop us from doing whatever we needed to do. And players would just say, "Okay, so uh, you're going to go take a nap for a couple of minutes." And that always seriously bugged me. Instead of trying to play in character and facing confrontation, they, people just casually throwed it to the side so they didn't, wouldn't have to deal with it. And that's a great point, because what they say here is that it's more interesting if the cleric walks in halfway through than if the cleric just the you know beats the crap out of the rogue, ties him up on a post, and leaves him for the guards with a note. Personally, I think that the latter seems pretty interesting. Yeah, yeah. I think that that kind of that kind of character drama is very, very interesting. Now, that's not to say that the solution of having the 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 cleric walk in halfway through is isn't interesting, because that's very interesting as well. But I don't think that it that you need to metagame. Now, for plot reasons, yes, it makes a lot of sense for that to happen for, from the DM's perspective because then the DM gets some of the really important plot information out. The, the DM has, ha, has given the plot some, some air to breathe, so now the, the plot pr- can progress. Whereas if the cleric just beats the crap out of the thief and the guy escapes, now your plot hook just left. See, this is why you hamstring every single plot device. And you know, just hamstring all of the NPCs so they can't run away just in case you need them. <laughs> they don't have to like you. It's not like they can walk away. <laughs> uh, there's also... Um... I think I just got a new character idea, Finch. No. 
I can imagine the cleric thinking, oh no, this uh, man who's being tortured for information is being tortured. Let me heal him. Now that that leads to story time. See, um, I don't know. I don't know if we mentioned testicles yet. Probably. My very fir- my very first character got incredibly mad at Finch after a series of unfortunate rapes. <laughs> what? And afterwards, he decided to. Uh, I decided to do a pickpocket check, and this this was a little bit of metagaming because I was mad at the DM, which is a situation where I personally condone it, but it's not usually the best idea. Where uh, I decided, hey. He's going to try and pickpocket their genitalia. And he got a natural 20. And he managed to take someone's genitals without them noticing. That is now on the list of things I'm not allowed to do anymore, by the way. No matter how high you roll, you cannot steal someone's genitals without them noticing. Let me <laughs> After a while, the character ended up be- he syst- after this, he systematically started stealing the testicles of every single male anything that he killed, and he was eventually named Testicles the Scourge of Scrotums. Later on in the game, we ran into a character that I had met in my first session that I dubbed Jackass. I think his original name was Jackass. I refuse to call him that, though. His name is Jackass. And we didn't even know if he had any information. Uh, we just assumed that he did. So... We mugged him, hog-tied him, threw him in the basement of a psychotic mage that we had just recently met. And uh, the situation that we were just talking about was a little too ironic, because uh, me and the group cleric were sitting in the basement torturing him for information. And this is this is an instant where metagaming... It was metagaming, but simply because some of the... Almost all the players were new players, and no one really knew what to do at this point. And instead of the cleric doing the cleric thing and trying to help or maintaining... The cleric didn't even have a solidified religion. The, instead of the cleric trying to do the right thing and trying to be the good person, uh, she, she sat there and healed him every time I chopped his balls off. The Which torture scene... Funny. The torture scene was incredibly graphic and lasted about 45 minutes, and we're not getting into that, but uh, it was then that we learned that healing is a touch spell, and that's all you really need to know. So... Um, point being, there are that was one option, um, and it made for an interesting story. Um, it was but, definitely metagaming, though. It was definitively metagaming. Yes. How I would put it, follow whatever um, your creed is. Uh, usually clerics are um, lawful good, so... I mean, you don't have to have a cleric that is lawful good, but if you start one that is... As a general rule, they're either lawful good or chaotic evil, or that one time where I made a chaotic good cleric. Schizophrenia is another story. Uh, he was not schizophrenic. He was just lied to repeatedly. <laughs> okay, well... He may or may not have been worshipping Asathoth. And you can see that game at the on the Banished DM YouTube page. Was yeah... That? Um, <laughs> that was not a very interesting game, actually. No, it was it was an extraordinarily long and boring game because it took forever to finally hit the plot. Because one of our players was continuously having sex with it. <laughs> I was about to I was about to say he she was continuously fucking with it, but that was a little too accurate. That, that can be misconstrued. <laughs> yes, to something that's non-literal. Yeah, I know. Uh, she was literally, literally fucking with the plot. Um, All of so, them. What I was trying to get is that a person, a character shouldn't change entirely what their creed was meant to be, what their alliance was. If someone just completely goes from good to evil, that means they don't know what they're doing as a character, or they are simply metagaming. They are trying to progress the plot, but not not as their character, just plot-wise. And that's when I believe metagaming is gone wrong. Okay, and what's your opinion on metagaming the realities of the world as opposed to your character? So if the cleric was there when they captured the guy then in order to not deal with the cleric's morals, they said, well, the cleric is stepping out for a little while. Or the cleric, you know, has to go pray or do something. And then they could just kind of write it off as the cleric is going to do something else so that we can get something interesting going here. And then halfway through, the cleric comes back. Is that okay? 
I really don't think the cleric should have been pushed off to begin with, unless it actually could still progress the plot. In that case, it's okay and understandable, so then we'll just go on to what would happen when they walk back in halfway through. The cleric would be surprised as shit and pissed off. <laughs> I think that the same solution can be used without having to metagame at all. I think that one of the best ways to uh, solve that problem is for the thief to just roll a couple of bluff checks and force the cleric out of the room. And even if you sort of metagame it and say, well, the cleric falls for it, and, you know, fudge a couple of rolls, that's, that's a lot better and makes me feel better as a player than just saying, well, the cleric is stepping out. Oh, yeah, no, definitely. But, I mean, there is also, the cleric has capabilities, too. The cleric could stop them from torturing him, but the cleric, being a well, cleric, can say, hmm, have you been evil? Yes, God smite him. Reign of electricity. Flaming poodles. <laughs> but, Reign but if of flaming but poodles. if it's against the cleric's morality to do so, if the guy has surrendered. Reign right? of fluffy poodles. If the man has surrendered, a cleric can do his own versions of torture, which would be more of godsend, not of. But but what but him. what I'm but the 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 assumption is the cleric is against any kind of torture. Or anything. That's okay. What if they're not aware that it's torture? Like they could sit them down and force them to listen to gospel music for a couple of hours. Yes, that's a <laughs> good example. Like you don't understand the ways of our Lord. You must. <laughs> trying uh, to help accidentally torturing. That's that's a, that's actually a form of metagaming depending on the player's intentions. Yes. Which but is in a but in a serious game like this, you know, in a serious game where it's like where where the solution to the problem is we're torturing the guy, right? Mm -hmm. All other avenues have been used. Or the cleric is around. Yeah. The cleric is around. The thief is around. The thief wants to torture. The cleric doesn't. Is it okay to say to just flub it and say the cleric is going away for a while so the thief can do his thing? It's okay, but it irritates me. It works out better if there's some sort of I want continuity. Goddamn it! Some form of good reason that the cleric leaves, like you were saying, bluff checks work. But also, if the DM is skillful enough to create, even if it's at random a plot point for the cleric to accomplish at that moment. See, we're about, to, we're about to torture this guy, but oh my god, Satan just appeared in the courtyard! Someone another thing, another thing that back. I think could work is if there is something that the this NPC that they're going to be torturing knows, and, you know, he, do, he does the, the, the ha-ha-ha spit in your face, by the way, your temple is being burned to the ground right now. The cleric, and, 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 you know, he does the whole, you know, the, the whole evil laugh thing. The cleric goes, oh my god, runs off, and now we have continuity. And we have a plot point, and we have something else. But that's in the DM's hands. So b what we're basically agreeing on here is the DM needs to get his shit together. <laughs> yeah. So I think that the what everything is coming back to with our discussion of this article is that the DM is really the one that should be doing all of this kind of stuff, and he's in control of so much of the world that you it shouldn't be too terribly difficult to create a situation. Speaking directly to the DMs here, you are God! For goodness sake, people! You have the power! You can do whatever you want! Make them have fun! Help, the, help them if they don't know what to do! Figure it out for them. And looking at the comments on the article, a lot of them are in favor of this uh, of this article, and I can sort of understand why. But a couple of them have been saying, "Well, what happens when you have characters that they're so stubbornly in character they just don't want to engage the plot?" My answer is that's the DM's fault. The DM, and just like it was last game when we played, and you guys had so much trouble finding the plot and so much trouble engaging it, that was my fault. And I openly I, accept that. I do not blame you for that in the slightest. I do not feel like that was your fault. I feel like that was the sum of all of our faults. Because I scared away the plot. Larry! I don't even remember what Larry did. I think he was actually attempting to find a plot, but kept failing miserably. Because he mm -hmm. kept talking to people that you made up on the spot. <laughs>
Yeah. Instead of actual plot points, and then Becky just slept with the plot. But that's it. But that's just it. The the whole thing where Larry was talking to people that I just made up on the spot. If I had been a little more uh, better prepared, and I had more people that he could have spoken to, and if all of those characters that I made up on the spot had backstories, then he would have found the plot, no matter what. Fair enough. And if... But at the same... On the same token, it doesn't... It's partially on the player's shoulders at that point. Like, the game that I ran between the two of you, mm-hmm. every single NPC... Well, not all of the NPCs, but the vast majority of the NPCs was nudging you towards the plot. And yes. they, they were nudging you in the right direction, and you just blatantly ignored them and then systematically murdered everything. Like, that, question... that, is some, that is something that's out of my hands. Yes. Unless I have... Unless I have... And I don't know why I didn't. I really should have, and I'm sorry for saying it. But your character needed to die. <laughs> that my character was a mute and looked like... Some... I have no... This one decided that it would be a good idea to play as a mute character over a video chat. Or an audio chat. God damn. But but here's the thing. I stayed in character the entire time, right? So the problem was that my character wasn't made... Your character was made for a game that didn't happen? Yes. Which yeah, exactly. I, I am partially at fault for the... Existence of the everything is partially at fault for the fact that we lost half of our players before the game even started was an issue. Yeah, but I think that he, again, here's the thing. And I definitely should if have started I, you off together. But what if I? But if I had stepped out of character and said, "Oh, well, hey, here's plot," right? Mm-hmm. Would that have would that have made it a better game? You no, know, you did eventually find plot. Exactly. But I, I still feel like... Did, did you guys actually have fun with this game? I, I did. I, I had a ton of fun. fun. I thought I could still continue. Okay. Uh, we, we can get back to it eventually, I guess. Just I, I felt like not much was happening. I don't know. I had a ton of fun. I just got okay. to kill people. <laughs> well, I was in a dangerous situation, so was Finch. We were both having fun. I need to sit down and figure some stuff out, but we can definitely go back and play that. Oh my goodness, I had such a good time playing that game. I felt bad I'd beaten so many people in the head. <laughs> I felt wonderful. I burned a man alive in his own tavern. The last thing... And to, to, be, to be fair. Yeah. Alright, back to the actual discussion. So, the, the oh. discussion... Would it, would it have made the game a better game if I had stepped out of the character and said, you know what, instead of killing the next person, I'm just going to, you know, screw Perfect. with them. That is or, not for me to decide. The measure of a good game is how much the player likes it. That's a great point, actually. I think that if you're in a group of players that all want to stay in character, then this entire discussion should go out the window, and every single person should just be in character constantly. And that's how you have fun. That's understandable. Getting into this point, Mm -hmm. this leads into a second discussion that I don't know if we want to have right now, but I will bring up. There are two different kinds of players. Yeah, the players like us, and the reason this conversation is going like this is because we did not have a guest that fills in the other role. All three of us maintain the first standpoint, where a person should stay in character and sit down and have fun and goof off and just do things and enjoy it. Mm-hmm. Then the second type of player is the kind that I actually haven't... Well, I have met, but I have no interest in playing with. Where th- These people sit down, and they want to play a game, and they want to have an adventure, and they want to have plot, and they want to move forward. They want to play Skyrim. They want to sit down and do the things that they meant to do. Yeah, that is an extraordinarily good point. And we don't actually have that represented in, in this discussion. No, we do not, and that's probably our biggest issue with this discussion, which makes me a little sad, because I cannot think of someone that would fill that role for us. We probably should have had Larry on. Well, yeah. I, I, I still think that Larry likes to screw around, though. Oh, he definitely does. But he does it a little differently. From what I'm understanding, you guys been talking about him. He... he. It's because he's still a new player. Like, this was only his second game. He, enjo- he enjoys the role-playing game, and he... He stayed in character, but he always uses the same character. Mm, well, he only had two. He's only had two characters so far, so. 
Yeah, but even in other games, like in in actual video games and in other games that we've played together, he always plays the sneaky, snappy, sneaky, stabby type. Hmm. Well, which is nothing. There's nothing inherently wrong with that. That's what he wants to do. Yeah. But I, I feel like the character is a little too the character that he is playing, and there's only one. The character that he is playing is uh, prone to being a follower, and in both games that he existed in, well, while he was prone to being a follower, this might be because he was a new player. Uh, he was in a game where we needed him to be the leader. Because they were because the characters themselves were not ind- independently motivated to do something in. Uh, yeah. Like the, the the cleric that I made was entirely dependent on other players. He was his uh, his not having a weapon thing was actually intentional. Mm-hmm. I just decided to freak people out with it. I made a cleric. He had no spells. He had no weapon. He dual wielded shields. And he was based entirely on being a support class. It was the only thing he was meant to do. He was meant to sit back and help everyone. Mm-hmm. And let everyone else get on with it. Because Larry and Becky, both of them, in the games that I've seen them in, they tend to hang back more. And I feel Becky Becky really came into her own this game. I mean, maybe not progressing the plot, but she definitely... She made a character. She, she, stuck she made with a the character, character that... Yeah, her character her character drive came into its own. Yeah. Like she uh, did something that she hasn't done before. She didn't sit in the background and just say, "Oh, I cast I cast that spell that he told me to cast." She started playing as a player instead you of as mean a, as a character. No, no, no. Okay. She 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 became a player rather than a tool. No, I'm going to I'm going to read in uh, a uh, quote from one of the comments that was actually quoting a, another of the articles that this guy has written. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'd like to hear your opinions on this. The quote is, your character is a part of the story. This is not your character story. What's your opinion on that? Bullshit. I always saw D&D or any tabletop as you are a part of a book. The DM writes the narrative, writes the NPCs, writes the story. You are writing your character's actions in the story that the DM presents, and the DM creates the world around you of your results of the actions you present. Mm-hmm. Your dialogue, your actions, your everything. Everything you do is presented into the story and will either do something or just continue as it was going to. A game of D&D, and this is something that I believed for a very long time, ever since I started playing, a game of D&D is players being able to sit down, make a character that they have come up with, a character that they believe in, a character that they love, and put them through a story, and let them act out as they would. Letting them... It's like taking a book with a a plot line and a story to go through with no characters in it, and then the players get the filled roles of those characters and see where it takes them. A game should not be about sending someone straight down the railroad and making them fill your story. A game of D&D is about players being able to write their own story and have an adventure for them, not for the DM. To be able to change... Yes. I don't think the players should cooperate to tell a story. I think that the players should each individually invest in a character, and those characters need to cooperate to tell a story. It is the story of the characters, not the story of the game. And that's a distinction that I don't think that this article makes. Now, I think that the author of the article has some really good ideas, and I think that in a lot of settings, a lot of games, it's really important for players to get out of the heads of their characters just a little bit, because there are some people that just can't get out of the head of their character enough to see that they're hindering the game. If you're Indeed. causing problems in a game, then that is a legitimate issue. But I think he takes it a little too far, because one of the things that makes the game so so entertaining for a lot of us, myself included, is that ability to take on the role of another character and pretend to be that character. It's escapism in its purest form. And that lends a very different experience than the idea of telling a story. As a player, I don't get my kicks out of 
just telling a story. The story is fine. I get my real fun from playing a character and seeing what that character does in different situations. And what really makes things interesting for me is seeing what the GM comes up with to make my character's life more interesting. So a good example is uh, my pixie that I've spoken about before. A lot of the things that the pixie did were not along the plot line. A lot of them were very independently motivated, very individually motivated. And he did things that probably weren't in the best interest of the party, but damn, they made good stories. Anyway, the point that I'm trying to make is that I think the character uh, drive can get much more interesting than player drive. I'm just shitting, shitting here. Oh my god. <laughs> I'm just sitting here nodding my head. I don't really have anything to add to that. I've told the most prominent story I have relating to this mm-hmm. being the the story that I ran for Paula and James. I mentioned it in the first episode yeah. where uh, they ended up working as mercenaries. Mm-hmm. It, sh- it is the most prominent example of uh, character-driven gameplay that I can find, that I can think of at the moment. I do fully believe that characters should be the main driving point in any plot. Mm-hmm. It's a given. It's something that should happen. If a plot is not character-driven, players do not feel invested in the plot. A game should always be about your players, guys. A game should not be you mean about... about the characters or the players? I'd like to think that's synonymous. Okay. Like if a if you're playing for the characters, the players are gonna have a good time. That's beside the point. Uh, a game should always be about your players, guys. It should not be about you trying to tell your story. Your story comes second. The game is always about making sure your players are having a good time, not about making sure you're having a good time. If you're being a DM just because you want someone to say, "Oh, you did a good job." You're not going to get that if you're just doing it for yourself. And Actually, that's a great point. That is an excellent point. Sometimes it's okay for the, the GM's plot to fail and for the, the players to still have a good time. It's perfectly fine for that to happen. I mean, you can always pick up the plot in the meantime. If the players are off doing something, you can just kind of rattle something off and try and make them have some fun. Give them some arbitrary conflict or pit them against each other, which is one of my favorite things to do. And as long as they're enjoying themselves, they won't care that they haven't progressed the plot, much less that it didn't happen. It's if they have fun, they will enjoy the game. You know, that bringing back uh, bringing the discussion back to those examples that were mentioned in the article. I think a good one, uh, a good thing to to talk about is what happens if, as w- was said, was the worst case scenario? The cleric beats up the the rogue, releases the prisoner, and has the rogue arrested. Right now, the save the world plot is done. What what happens to the rest of the party? I think that that makes for a very interesting story. If the rest of the party is pissed at the cleric, and then they have to go save the rogue from prison, or you know stand in for his trial and say, hey, he was doing this in, in, in the interest of saving the world. And what happens if the plot does come to a head and they can't save the world? Sure, they don't get to feel like heroes, but what... They still played a part of it. Yeah, they're still playing... The, it's a tra- it becomes a tragedy. It becomes a tragedy centered around the cleric because the cleric, who's ostensibly the good guy ends up damning the world to yeah. destruction. And the rogue, who is you know, ostensibly the, the neutral or evil character, tried to save the world. Just take a step back and look at this from a story perspective. I think that that makes for an even more interesting story than your typical save the world plot. If the, if the party actually destroys the world, I, I don't see how that's a problem. I actually think that that makes it more interesting. I, f- I feel it can lead to an interesting game, and it's a. Th- I feel like it's a thing that a lot, and I mean a lot of DMs are afraid to do, and it's not a bad thing to sit down your players at the end of a campaign and say, well, you screwed up. <laughs> this is the summary. You just failed. 
better luck next time. But then it's what happens if, if they fail, and then after all of that, you know, the world has ended or whatever. Or maybe the world doesn't end. Maybe the world is just, you know, enslaved. Now you start out with a fresh crop of characters that have to clean up the mess that the old characters made. Yeah, it's not a bad yeah. idea. I think that that makes for a much more interesting story, and I think that it, as a as a general rule, it makes for a much more interesting story and a much more entertaining game if everyone sticks to their characters' guns. And if you're a good GM and you're willing to think on the spot, there's no reason for for you to worry all that much about satisfying everyone's desires to be a hero. I think that the escapism that's offered by stepping into a character's shoes is just as important as following the plot train. Well, two things I wanted to mention. One, I've always seen, for example, D&D to be not just to be the hero, but to also succeed in whatever you were doing. Being the villain is just as easy, uh, mm -hmm. just as uh, acceptable of a goal for a player's character. No, mm -hmm. goals are... Oh, I'm sorry, Rob, continue. Then, two, there are many char many times I've seen a DM who will let the story fall apart, but with the characters that didn't die, continue it on. Good point. So, let's say they destroyed the world, but none of those characters specifically died. There can be some Deus Machina... Deus Ex Machina. De de yeah. That causes the, goddamn Latin correspondence course. That would cause the team to, in a sense, maybe. Rob, stop! Uh, sorry, Finch, stop tapping. Thank um, you. I'm tapping. I was getting tapping from you. Oh, sorry. Please continue, Rob. I again apologize. No, no, no. I was just. I'm saying, if none of the players die, but they failed in accomplishing the world. If they all are upset with it, but still are interested in the story, the DM could just as easily create random situations that causes the entire team to come back together. It would just be creating a whole new plot point of getting them back together and then trying to recreate, if not continue, the original idea of save the world, destroy that's, it. That's a really cool idea. I think, I yeah. feel like that's actually a little bit of a... Never mind. Ignore that. Like, uh, oh no, I, we're all slaves. I'm going yeah. to figure a way to break out. I'm going to join the rebellion. Oh my god, all my friends are a part of the rebellion. Yay, let's join back up. Let's <laughs> defeat this thing. I'm going to take a step back for a second and say it's not bad to see your players fail as a DM. It's not a terrible thing to see your players fail. As I said before, the measure of a good game is your player's response. Now, they could be very happy that they succeeded, and, you know, they'll be excited and happy, and like, woo, we did it, we're good people, but you can tell that you had a really good game if at the end of it, they failed, but they still got so invested in the plot, they got so interested in everything that was going on, that when you tell them that they screwed up, the table goes silent. They want to continue. You know There's... what? I would love to have a campaign where I made the players cry. Not because they were so angry or because they... I would like a campaign where the players actually cried because they felt a loss. You know? Like, if they had invested so much in the campaign that the fact that they... that things have come to an end gets them that emotional. I have gotten, in the history of my DMing, my very brief history, I've gotten one player to cry before. And it, was not at the, it wasn't even at the end of the game. It was because of a side quest. Wow. A side quest that they stumbled upon entirely by accident. No, I, I, it's I, not, it, Actually, it's not even a quest. It was just there. They thought it was completely insignificant until months later. What happened was, in the starting village, there was a small tavern where there was a, a very old woman ran the tavern. And in front of the tavern, there was a board that said, Today's Special, Dragon's Breath, which is where I got the name for the drink in our game. Mm -hmm. It was called the Dragon's Breath. And one of the characters went in, started talking to the lady, and 
she seemed a little bit off. The old lady was constantly muttering to herself whenever she turned her back, and was constantly trying to push Dragon's breath. After a little bit of talking to random people in the tavern, which most of this I made up on the spot, after talking to other people in the tavern, they found out that every day's special was Dragon's Breath. They didn't think of this for a while, until much, much later on. Like, we're, we're talking months down the line. Where they ran into an older gentleman who, when they found him, had amnesia. They found him in a small village. It's not a small village, a, a small city near a port town. Mm-hmm. And after some investigating, they found out that the, again, mostly... uh mostly in the moment thing. It was not at all related to the plot. They just decided they wanted to figure out what was going on. They found him, and they started doing a little bit of investigating and found out that he had washed up on the beach several months back. And that the only thing that he could remember was that his favorite drink was Dragon's Breath. He kept insisting on a drink called the Dragon's Breath, but no one knew what it was. They eventually ended up going back to the town, mm-hmm. and they brought, they brought the amnesiac with them. And when they had entered the town, they started immediately asking around for the older lady. And the first thing they found out was that the older lady's husband had gone missing months and months ago. And the loss of it drove her completely insane. She would constantly mutter to herself, and she would never change the special of the day, hoping that one day, maybe, he would come back. Wow. And when they got back, they found out that the tavern had burnt down several days beforehand and the lady had died in the fire. Wow. One of my players actually started crying. We had to end the session. You see, that makes for... That's real emotional investment. And I'm not talking about somebody getting super upset because a character died or because they failed or something like that. I'm talking about something like, like that where the player... Yeah, the players failed. But they failed well, if you know what I mean. You know what? I, it, it's, it's, it's they may have failed, but they still got something out of it. It's okay yeah. for a story to have a sad ending. Tragedies are fine, and I think that too many people come into D and D or Call of not not Call of Cthulhu. No one ever expects but, to come into Call of Cthulhu a hero. They just hope to not die. <laughs> D&D, GURPS, whatever. And they expect to save the world. And that's a great plot. That's, that's great, that's fun. But sometimes, if you want to play a really emotional, serious game, if you, play, if you play a game where it's possible for the players to fail, for the, for the characters not to, not to die, not to to, you know, it's accepted that the characters might die. But in the end, it's almost always going to happen that, you know, another character comes in, and even if there's a TPK, there's just another party waiting around the corner to take up where the uh, other characters left off. But if they fail, if the world does end, if the dragon does burn the town, that weighty emotional impact can be tremendous, and it can make for a tremendous game. So I don't think that metagaming, to get to that point, is, you know, to get to the point where where you're continuing along the plot, I, I don't think that that's necessary. So I think that in the example of the cleric and the, uh, and the thief, either one, if the cleric intercedes and the rogue fails that's just as interesting to me as the plot progressing and we have come full circle yeah we got ludicrously far off topic and I'm actually very impressed that you managed to uh, tie that back in yeah and I feel like one we should definitely end it here because we've been recording for an hour and 15 minutes yeah too, I feel like we're at, we're ending on kind of a bittersweet note here. Like we yeah. we have our discussion, but I feel like I feel like the the mood of the conversation has suddenly gone a little sour, which makes me gone, a little sad. 
I don't know if it's gone sour. It's gone for me a little con, a little more quiet and contemplative, a little less. We st- we stopped with the funny and just started getting into things and. It's times like this that you can see that while we may not be the most experienced players and DMs in the world, and we might not be the most well-qualified to be doing something like this, you can tell that beyond most people, we are passionate about what we do, and we put our heart and soul into this game in a way that some people probably never thought of before. Oh, I, I have a very strong connection to all the characters that I've played. There are there is no way to 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 overstate how important role playing games have been to me. So there you have it folks. Role playing games save lives. Mm. So if if nothing else, take away from this episode that while we may be opinion well we well, well, we're definitely opinionated, otherwise we wouldn't be doing this. But uh, while we are opinionated, while we may, while you may not always agree with us, know that we are passionate about what we do. And if nothing else, let this be our qualifier. Let hmm. this tell you that we have absolutely no idea what we're doing, but we know that we're doing it right. <laughs> oh, that was good. I like that. <laughs> I think we should fade away on Finch. Uh, <laughs> I guess that's all for today, folks. So uh, thank you for listening, if you managed to last this far. If not, well, screw you. Keep gaming. Keep on gaming, guys. Later. <laughs>